for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay. I'm very excited to get to know today's guest a little bit better. Because of his great ties to my home state of Massachusetts, I feel like I should have gotten to know him better over the years, but I'm excited to sit down with him today. Kid Michael Rock, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate uh, all that you've been doing. I've been watching all of the podcasts. Honestly, there must be an enormous amount of work that goes into that. I, I can tell you that everybody I've talked to is just so appreciative of what you've done and you know, really bringing this to the forefront and celebrating 50 years the way JPZ should be celebrated. I appreciate you saying that. So take me back to the beginning, Mike. How do you end up uh, at Syracuse and then eventually the radio station? How do I end up at Syracuse? It was actually the one and only school that I applied to. Okay. I uh, applied early decision. I found out on Christmas Eve that I was going to school at Syracuse. And I was like, all right, we don't have to apply anywhere else. Done deal. Nice. It actually annoyed my parents because <laughs> I was very lax about it. I'm telling you, like, I'm not sure if you've got kids or not. It just went through the, the college process. What a difference between when we were kids applying to schools and the way it is now. It's insane. It's all online now, right? It's all online, but the competitiveness and the like, oh my goodness, it's the stress. How many sports do you do? How many extracurriculars you do? You know, all that stuff, right? You have to be like the perfect person or you're not going anywhere. Like, yeah. it, that's the way it feels when you're going through it. Uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm so glad it was not like that when we were applying to schools. Because I probably would not have gone to Syracuse. I wouldn't have <laughs> been able to get in. But um, again, it annoyed my parents because they were on me about where are you applying? What are you doing? And they're like, I got it. I got it. Applied to the one school, early decision got in. I was like, see? <laughs> so why was it only Syracuse? Well, I think, you know, I was always interested in broadcasting and I was the classic, you know, story we've heard so many times from other broadcasters where, you know, I was nine, 10 years old listening to Casey Kasem in my room and recording it. And I would rewind him and hear the way he set up songs. And then I would, you know, try it myself and record it on a different one and you know, I did that since I was a little kid. I always was interested in, in really radio lo go alone. I was not interested in television for some reason, because I think TV, like you have to be like a grown up. Like it's <laughs> and like put on the nice clothes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's a serious thing. Like it's usually, unless you're doing like a Letterman show uh, and there aren't too many of those around. Right. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon stuff. Um, you're on TV and you're, it's a serious delivery. And I definitely didn't want that. I didn't. I knew I didn't have that in me. But yeah, so I, you know, ended up going to Syracuse. And how did I get involved in WJPZ? I don't think that the trailer was unpacked yet uh, with all of my stuff uh, moving into Flint. When I told my mom and dad, I was like, "Hey, I gotta go and find the radio station." And oh, I knew all about it. Absolutely. <laughs> so you knew about it before you got there. I didn't know where it was. You know, I went down to the Watson area, figured it out kind of, and I rang the bell. And who came out but B.B. Good. So Sharon Goodman was the first face that I ever saw at Z89. And can you pick a better person to welcome a freshman to the organization than B.B. Good? You and Dion Summers have that in common. She was the first face you both saw. Yeah. I mean, you can't get a better, you know, start to a, a Z89 career. So 
You walk in, you've got the amazing BB Good there. How do you get started with doing the overnights and, and that whole deal? I couldn't get going quick enough. Um, as a matter of fact, when I arrived, I had already gotten my uh, FCC license because that was something that was required back then. Yeah. But I wanted to get it done ASAP. And my first overnight was October 7th, 1991, and that was my 18th birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got cleared for overnights, and um, you know, I couldn't believe that I was actually on the radio. I couldn't believe it. So you were always on the music side. I know some guys we've talked to and girls I've talked to have wanted, always wanted to be on the sports side or various yeah. things, but you were always the hardcore music guy. Right. I mean, would I have taken a job doing play-by-play for the Red Sox? Sure. <laughs> you are a Boston guy after all, yeah. I just knew that that was not in the cards for me. I didn't think I had that level of talent, and I didn't really have that level of sports knowledge. I'll, even though I am a, I'm an avid fan of, of football and baseball, but I think that you have to know these sports inside and out. Yeah. Like, I definitely couldn't do it for basketball or, or hockey or anything like that. And I think that is never something that I realistically ever dreamed of doing. I was always the music side. Gotcha. So tell me how you kind of rose to the ranks of the station and the different things you did there. Well, I think I just dove in as, as hard as you could. Spent a lot of free time there, you know, and I think that's what I knew that this is what I really wanted to do for a living. Like when you find something that you're working at and it doesn't feel like work, you found it. You know what I mean? As a matter, I just had this conversation with some young people the other day. It's really the secret to life, isn't it? Is finding something that you truly enjoy doing spending as much time as possible doing it, and then later on figuring out a way to make money with it. Exactly. The money won't come right away. Right. But it goes for anything. I mean, no matter what it is you love to do, somehow you can turn that into an occupation. And if you can do that, that's true happiness. So you were on air at the station. And by the way, your class 95 is definitely the most active among alumni. And and you've got, it's a murderer's row. I hate to use the Yankees reference, but a murderer's (laughs) row of just unbelievable all-stars from that class of 95. Take me back then to some of the people you were working with. Yeah, no, that class was stacked with talent. It really was. Steve Donovan, I mean, I don't think he actually started his freshman year, but he was definitely in the mix there. Jeff Dollar, who went on to do some amazing things in radio. Dion Summers, of course. Uh, Jeff Wade. I'm trying to think of uh, the others off the top of my head. Oh, Governor D. Redmond. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Nugent, Big Daddy. You know, just a really, honestly, like you said, is truly like some real all-stars as far as that particular era. So were you doing mornings, on air, uh, chief announcer, PD? Was it strictly on air? What were your roles at the station? I eventually got cleared for everything. Yeah. Steve Donovan and I ended up doing Crazy Morning Crew together, which is really kind of cool because 20 years later, we were going up against each other in mornings. Right. So, you know, Donovan would be doing mornings at Light 105 in Providence and me doing mornings at Fun 107. And just funny that, you know, the history goes back so far. Who won more often than not? Well, he, he was at a much bigger station. Uh, okay, okay. He definitely won with the range, for sure, for sure. But, you know, Fun 107 doesn't really serve. We can be heard in Providence, but that's not what we're about. Fair enough. Any more uh, memories from the morning show with Donovan, or should I say Abe Proman? That, Abe uh, Proman, that... the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> that come to mind. I mean, I can't imagine how hilarious it must have been to be a fly on the wall with the two of you doing mornings together. He was so, he is so funny. I mean, one of the funniest people I know. No, I think the biggest memories I have from the morning show, and I know he told this 
story when he sat down with you is when his brother came up and we, I mean, you can't even, I, I'm not even sure if I can tell the story, but we do, we did it on the air, but he was Spunky the Midget Wrestler. Right. <laughs> and I know that you're not supposed to say that word, but back then it wasn't a thing. A different time, different time. Totally yeah, okay. Time. But, you know, of course he was not. And when you're 19 years old, those things seem really funny. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, having Jeff Dollar involved in the morning show, another talented person, such a funny guy, too. Uh, we got into a lot of trouble together. Betty Keston, who was older than we were, but, of course, there was the the infamous let's get drunk on the radio and, and make it a bit yep. thing. But it was all legit because we had a police officer there. Right. It's about drunk driving and breathalyzer and all that, right? Yes. Okay. And, and to demonstrate the effects of alcohol and how quickly you can become impaired. Mm-hmm. So part of what I do in this podcast is my show prep is basically to call up classmates and ask, you know, stories. Uh, if I said road trip to Toronto with a girlfriend, would that mean anything to you? <laughs> uh, yes. I did talk to Steve Donovan the other night and he uh, mentioned that uh, you pulled this real baller move with your college girlfriend that you were going to take her to Phantom of the Opera uh, in Toronto. Right. But brought a couple of your buddies along with you, which may not have been the best move. What can you tell me about that story? Yeah, I don't really know what I was thinking. It was <laughs> probably not the best choice. But yeah, somehow we got these tickets to Phantom of the Opera in Toronto. She is all excited about it, obviously. And we had four tickets or something like that. And so I invited Donovan and my other buddy. <laughs> so picture like what she's probably thinking of is like it's going to be a romantic weekend getaway to Toronto to see Phantom. And I ended up bringing... My buddy, who I went to high school with, and we ended up being roommates in college, too, and Donovan. <laughs> That's a long seven-hour ride. <laughs> and, and then we get there, and I'll never forget, it felt like, because it was so appropriate, because, of course, his his name on the air was Abe Broman, the Sausage King of Chicago. Right. We lived that moment when we went to the CN Tower yeah. in Toronto. Oh, my God. And we took the elevator all the way up to the top, and we had dinner at that rotate, it rotates. Yep. And so you can always see, you see a different part of the city. So here we are like four, well, three knuckleheads and my girlfriend at the time, right? Yeah. We're at the CN Tower and he's acting like Abe Froman. I mean, like it's, we had no business eating at this restaurant. I don't know how we paid for it. <laughs> Did you have the studio Mater D from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Probably. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, that was quite a time. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence... This is WJPZ at 50. You have had an amazing career and stability in your career that a lot of folks in this industry have not had, which I want to get to in a second. But what lessons did you take with you from JPZ that you've served you so well in your career so far, Mike? Man, those are the real things. The radio lessons are valuable and continue to be valuable. And, you know, I share Dave Gorab advice with the young personalities all the time. Yeah. So like Dave Gorab and, and Hal Rude, 
I never went to school with Hal Rude, but we still, he lives very close to me here. Mm-hmm. And he was definitely an influence on me even back then when he wasn't even there. But Larry Ross, I mean, the lessons I learned from these guys, 100% are being shared with young personalities on Fun 107. Those lessons that I learned in the hallway at, at Watson. And even to your come to mind? Well, well, of course, one thought per break. I mean, that's yep. the biggest thing, right? That's everything. Right. But my point is that the radio lessons, as valuable as they were, were far secondary to the management lessons that I learned, you know, the ability to, or lack of ability in my case, sometimes to work with others on a common cause when you have a vision about how to get to a certain place. And we all want to go to this place, but they have other ways that they wanted to go to. Try to work through that. You know what I mean? Like those are lessons that are better learned in a safe environment like Z89 than when you're on the big bad world making those mistakes and you can get fired. <laughs> you know, like so I guess those are the real lessons that I really learned. I, I, one of the lessons that Dave Gorad taught me, and I use this all the time on a daily basis uh, as, a, as management here, is phrase very publicly. Yep. And correct very privately. Yes. And, you know, that builds loyalty because people really appreciate that. I, you know, think about you and yourself. I mean, I I definitely do. And when my boss gives me a big pat on the back in front of the staff, it means something. And, you know, we're all humans. Right. And I would hate to be corrected in front of the staff, you know, so you just treat people like that. And that's, I think that's probably the biggest lesson I learned from Z89. So let's talk about your career after Syracuse. Take me through uh, your journey since graduation. My first job in radio was when I was still there at Syracuse, working at 194 FM, mm-hmm. uh, B104.7. You know, we helped launch that. That was the era of launching it. Oh, one name that I don't know how I could have not mentioned, Jordan Gualiui. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he was a part of the Z89 thing and then the B104.7 thing. So learned a lot with 194 FM and then... Ended up working at a little station in New Hampshire for a couple of minutes until Z89 Connections came calling again. And BB Good was working down here at Fun 107. And I remember it was one Christmas break. We were, you know, you like you catch rides home from people, you know, when you're younger. Yep. Shout out to uh, Emily Zizza, class of 2000, who gave me a ride home <laughs> before I had a car on campus. There you go. So we were going home for the holidays and BB as a senior was working at Rock 107 in Utica. Yep. She's a full-time student, but also a full-time night jock. Because she was just that good and still is. What is that? So she's, you know, living the life as a Rock 107 night jock, you know, not even graduated yet. So it's Donovan and myself, and I don't know who was driving, but we went, we were picking up or going home with BB, and we stopped at Rock 107. And so it was, I remember it was like a Sunday or something, and she was doing a weekend shift. And the PD was in the building on a Sunday. I'm like, that's weird. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what PD is in the building on a Sunday? Anyway, Rock 107 was a sister station on Fun 107. Okay. That PD ended up getting transferred to Fun 107. Oh, wow. So I had met my future boss that day. And now that knowing him over the years, of course he was there on a Sunday because he was that dedicated. But- uh, met him. His name was Jr. And BB called me and, and said, "Listen, there's a promotions director opening at Fun 107, and I think you'd be perfect for it. Why don't you come down?" So I came down and I, I met with everybody, 
and they were a little nervous because I looked like I was about 14 years old at the time. The good news is at this point in your career, you haven't aged a bit. Well, thank you very much. But uh, no, I somehow convinced them that I should work here. They hired me. And, you know, for the most part, I did leave for little projects. I did, a, you know, worked on a morning show in Boston for a year. Which show was that? I'd start at 93.7. I worked with Ralphie Marino and Heather Gersten. Okay, yeah. Other than that little quick, you know, Boston thing, I've been here for 27 years. And you are mornings in PD now? Yeah, I'm, we don't call them PDs anymore. I'm a director of content, which means that I, I actually oversee the uh, news talk station here in the building as well. So it's like much, might have been known before as like an operations manager. Mm-hmm. Well, because director of content is probably more accurate in 2023 because so much of it is online as well as just on air, right? That's a big, big part of it now. Big part of it. Every personality in the company is expected to write two pieces of content per day. Mm-hmm. And so- what I always talk about is we spend so much time creating content for the radio. So why would we want to do that content for the radio and have it go out there just for those seconds mm. and have that be the end of it? It disappears and it's gone forever. Why would you want that to happen when you work so hard to get that content? Share it online. Put it up on the website. Share it on social and do it all. And it lives forever. So- I try not to have it be like, oh, I got to do my blogs. I got to just- Right, right, right. It's These are your articles. These are your stories that can live on forever. And they're consumed when the audience is ready to consume it. On demand. On demand. So it gets out there to so many more people like that. And you know we're all driven by ego in this business. Of course. When people really start to get that, there's real buy-in. You know, because of course you would want as many people as possible to see the content that you worked on. I think that is a testament to your skills as a leader, because that is the best way I've ever heard the importance of putting your content online explained. I can't tell you how many jocks I worked with in my career. And sometimes myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do this blog post. And I, uh, I got to cut this up into a podcast or whatever it is. But that's perfect. You want this content to live and be available for somebody who may not have been in the car at 8.45 a.m. when you did this killer break. What are the chances that they were, really, when you think about it? You know, it's probably slim to none that they actually heard what you did. But this way, you're taking your best content and making sure you're putting it right in their face. I mean, if they're a P1 listener of your radio station, they're definitely following you on Facebook. Right. And they're definitely going to your sites and, you know, they'll definitely want to click on and see what you've got going on, you know, and, and you're able to share that content when it's good for them. We are starting to scratch the surface of something that I've asked all of my guests that are still working in radio in. So let me uh, transition here. You're in this every day. You're in the trenches. You have the role where you're doing this. There are a lot of naysayers about radio. Radio has its critics. What does radio need to do to continue to stay important in 2023 and beyond? They need to stay local. Yes. Local, local, local. As he cups his hands over his mouth and screams <laughs> for those of you listening. It's, if you didn't hear me in the back, you've got to stay local. So what I always say to the people who work here is I want you to do breaks that could not be done on any other radio station. Those are the gold moments is when mm-hmm. you are doing breaks that you could not get away with. Like I, we mentioned the Donovan thing in Providence. My show, where I do my show in Massachusetts here on the South Coast, 
is a completely different feel than if I was going to be doing this show in Providence. And that's what, less than an hour away, about an hour away from New Bedford from Providence? 30 minutes up the street. Yeah. But it's a different culture. Providence, while it's so close, has nothing to do. Nobody in New Bedford or Fall River cares about Providence. It might as well be a different country. So you've got to stay local. So doing your show and doing breaks about the Kardashians is not going to work. Go to TMZ for that. So many other people can do such a better job than you can at that. But nobody's going to beat me about talking about the new restaurant that opened up in New Bedford or where to get the best casserole sandwiches. You probably don't even know what a casserole sandwich is, do you? I don't know. And I'm a best, but you know, I'm from north of Boston, so explain. Right. And I am too. I'm from north of Boston. Never heard of any of this Portuguese food before I moved down here. It's like a Portuguese sausage sandwich. Okay. But that is a connection that you can make with the audience. You know, when you can connect with them at that level, that's when you can really win. And that is what's going to save radio. Our relationships like that. You cannot do this cookie cutter stuff because I can get that anywhere. Yeah. I think that was the big uh, fail in radio probably 10 plus years ago when portable people meters came in and they said, oh, shut up and play the music. Well, yeah, right. why, but why would you listen to somebody else's playlist when Spotify and Pandora are coming along? Exactly. It's what now it's what's between the records that really can set you apart in a way that's great for personalities. You know, I definitely went through those years where shut up and play the music was the thing. Right. And it was, you know, how do you say the words? And, you, you know, you, you try to work on your inflection and these are legitimate things to think about and do, but working on your reflection and pace and things like that. But man, it can get a little boring, you know, but no, it's the stuff between the records now that sets you apart from, you can, I mean, God, I mean, you can hear the new song anywhere. I can pull up the song in two seconds and listen to it on YouTube. Right. But what you're doing is collecting all of these songs and filtering out the other ones. You're listening to the bad stuff so that they don't have to. <laughs> And you're using that to complement what you're doing between the songs. Exactly. Exactly. Kid Michael Rock, before we wrap up, any other memories from WJPZ that come to mind you want to mention? The biggest thing that we ever did when I was there was in the summer of 93. I actually spent the summer at Syracuse, and that was one of the best summers of my life. And we had so much fun. Betty Kessin, Jeff Dollar, Jordan Gualiumi was there, Tim McCubrey was the GM. But Jordan somehow got a car, a 1993 Geo Tracker yep. to give away. And he sold the promotion to Coca-Cola. We got the Z89 Coca-Cola super stickers. Yep. Man, we was a big time radio station for some kids hanging around at a college in the summertime. Yep. Doing this, we had no business doing this. Driving around and, you know, spotting bumper stickers and doing all this stuff. I mean, it was very impressive stuff. I mean, Jordan really nailed that one, man. That was incredible. That was probably the best thing we ever did when I was there. But, you know, really learn from some of the best mentors that anybody could have had. We mentioned all of those, how we were stacked that freshman year. But probably the reason it ended up being that way was because of the mentors that we had. All of us had those same mentors you know, named Gorab and Kelly Sutton and Matt Friedman. You know, can you pick a better cast of characters than Jay Nackless and all these people, John Marsh, teaching us radio at that course? So, like, we had so much knowledge at our disposal. So, I guess it's no surprise that we would all 
flourish in that environment. Who wouldn't? I hate mentioning names because you forget inevitably names, but like, you know, Beth Gorat, Beth Russell, uh, Jen Neese, you know, I just, you just know you're, you're missing people, but um, some real dear friends, Betty Keston, just an incredible friend that, you know, we don't talk nearly enough because we're grown ups and we have busy lives, but you still know, if I picked up the phone called Betty right now, would pick it up like that as if it were, you know, 25 years ago. All of those people you've mentioned, I've recorded podcast episodes with, and your name has come up in every single one. So please know the feeling is mutual. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That is just emblematic of what we've talked about, as you've heard on the previous episodes of this podcast, is that mentorship and that paying it forward, whether it was class of, you know, 92, 93, paying it forward to 95, or in my case, 99, paying it forward to 02, we paid it forward to 05. And it just continues to this day, as you've listened to some of the alumni that have recently graduated and are still there at the radio station. So thank you for being a part of this radio station. Thank you for continuing to fight the good fight in local radio and appreciate you coming on today. Jag, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you having me on. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.